0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. I just, when you did the, the offering earlier, um, where's the money? Did you take it? It's gone. It's at the back. Okay, I'll grab it out of my wallet here. Yeah, don't worry. I've got this. Let's take a 50. Yeah. Um, just while he was taking up an offering, you know, this is 50 Rand, right? 50 bucks. I wish I had my 200 here. But 50 bucks. So 50 bucks is 50 bucks. But it depends on where you go with it, right? If I had the 200 Rand, it would make a little bit more sense. But the 200 bucks at a certain burger joint is lich. He is lich. 200. So burger. He said, give me that burger. It's got the chips. It's a gourmet burger. He sold it to me. Like that 200 bucks just flies. like the burger. But somebody comes and says off the street, Can I have 200 bucks? You know, it's 200 to swar, young. know. It's heavy. <laughs> like, I, I hung so in my sock. <laughs> like, <laughs> five rounds for you. <laughs> you understand? Something about money, depending on what we do, heart condition, as Henny spoke about, the weight changes. But yet, in the naturalist, it's just 200 bucks. It's what if I have a burger? whether I give it to somebody? Where's my heart at? Where's my heart when it comes to giving? And what weight does it carry? Because that's where mammon has its hold. That's why giving is so powerful. Because you say, mammon, you don't have a hold on me. Chow, God is my source. God is my supply. I'm, dr- I'm, I'm putting some drama into this and being a little bit dramatic here. But the context of, of this is this shouldn't have a hold on me. Christ is the source. Christ is my supply. And when this has a weight when it comes to the church, then I don't understand the value of what my church is. If 200 bucks for a burger means nothing, but 200 bucks in the church means something, then somewhere I've got a problem where the burger is a bigger God and has more value in my life than word in my life. If word has more power than 200 bucks means nothing. A thousand bucks means nothing. One million bucks means nothing because it's changed my life. I know the power of word in my life. I know the power of what it means when God tells you, give, and you give, and you see the result of it. Uh, That is powerful. So I don't want to take up another offering. I'm I'm just sharing on what it is and the power of money because we're living in a time where we need to understand who is our source. That's what I want to get into and just touching a little bit on the power of the word is, you know. Um, I have various different Bibles in my house, and every now and then I buy a new one, and I start writing in it and getting into what it is. Um, because I want to be, I don't want to just go like, it's, you know that that scripture is about round about there. So I go to say, it's my favorite scripture. So you get a new one, then you can't find those favorite places where the Bible just falls open. You've got to go back and rewrite and make a little bit of a map and let it connect. If you're too scared to write in your Bible, in Okay, If that's a special Bible, leave the special Bible there next to the bed. But get something you can live in. I heard this quote once that said, read a lot of books but live in the Bible. I've got to live in this. I've got to find what these scriptures are. Now, this in itself, as a book, is in many places. It's in hotel rooms. It's on bookshelves. It's in, it's in shopping malls. And a lot of other stuff happened in that shopping mall that ain't good. Or that room in a hotel room, right? And a lot of deals go on in that hotel room. A lot of stuff happens in that hotel room. And the Bible's lying right there in the drawer. No, no. This by itself has no power. This applied by the Spirit has all the power. So we can hear something, but if we don't apply it to our life, it means nothing. We can sit Sunday for Sunday, week for week, and hear something, but not have it fall into my life and have an application to it. I said, there's need deal mark for my living. If I don't apply it and I actively have that in my life working, it means nothing. It's like having a gym contract and never going. (laughs) You feel really good to say, like, I'm with Virgin Active. <laughs> I swap my car and I can see it go off every month. It's wonderful. But it ain't seeing you. <laughs> like, you're right for bait. That's my gym. <laughs> but if you don't apply it, it means nothing. It, it's not going to be there. You can have all these, and we all do that. Like, Monday morning change is going to happen stop drinking Coke. I will stop drinking Red Bull. I know that's one of my goals. I will, I will stop those things. I will stop. I will stop. And then Monday morning comes and by lunchtime. I have failed miserably. Have you had this moment? Because it's always Monday instead of right now. I'm going to stop eating sweets. Do it right now. Don't wait for Monday. Don't wait for the work. Stop right now. Do it right now. What are you doing right now? This is the most real place you'll be in right now. Why? Because you can't go back. You know, we'd love to all go back to some stuff we did, or said, or went through. We'd, we'd love to have time machines so we can just go back. It doesn't exist, and we can't go forward. You can't extend time. You can't, you can't jump ahead. So you are living in your mind in yesterday and, in yesterday and tomorrow. So the moment we're in, we're never present. Because we worry about what we did or we have regrets about what we did and we worry about what tomorrow is. So we sit in church, we hear the word, or in a moment, in a conversation, listening to things, and I'm not here. I want to tell you, the best thing you can learn in your life is be in the now. Be in the present. Be in that moment. When you're sitting here you're listening, Henny preach, or something, like what is God saying to me right now? Because it's coming from the word. What does John one say? In the beginning was the word. Everything that was made was th- made through the Word. We find Jesus in the desert. What does He speak on? What does He say to Satan in confronting him? Man shall not live by wonderful hot, nice, warm bread with butter on top and cheese. I'm going there so you can understand what Jesus is talking about. He's fasted for forty days. He's smelling that hot bread. bread, <laughs> hot bread, nice warm bread, that butter on top. I'm getting you hungry, right? As a man shall not live by those nice stuff alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So if that just stirred something in your, in your mouth, your heart, your stomach, like, I brew it, he says, you cannot just be living on that. You cannot be craving just that. There's got to be a craving for the word of God. There's got to be a craving to understand what God's doing and what God's saying now. Because we can't go back to what we used to have, Right? Everything's changed, and I believe a lot of things are still going to change, and we'll find a, a, a new normal. We're not going to live, I don't personally, you know, you might get me wrong, as, or I might be wrong, but I believe that this decade is a decade of fast increase. It's going to be stuff that, like a year, we're going to see so many multiple things happen in one year. Like, look at where we're at, what has happened in this year. We've gone through all of this, coming out on the other side, seeing God do phenomenal things at the end of the year. Uh, if we look back in one year, how much has happened? Yes, it's been a, a lockdown, but even in a lockdown, how much increase has happened? So if that's happening, this is going to be, that's why always when you see just before the birth of Christ, what happened? Babies got killed. You look at Moses, babies got killed. Just before something good happens, there is a moment of something of death, something of suppression that is always tried because the Satan knows what's happening. Jesus walks around and he says to them, do you not know that you can look at the stars and the weather and the wind, but yet you do not know the signs of the time. What he was saying is that there's so much stuff that was prophesied about him, but people weren't looking for that. They always look at, yeah, oh, the wind's blowing out, you see the cold front coming in, that's nice. We can determine all those things, but yet we do not see when God is doing something in natural, from out of the supernatural. Just to, I know I've touched on this the last time I was here, but I think in the last two, three years, we've seen records being broken by people that are an acceleration of time. Marathon under two hours, thought impossible, broken by man. Like it, for us, it, we seem like, oh, okay, let a marathon. Have you seen that? how fast that is? How that man had to run to get under two hours. They said it would be an impossible thing. Then this guy, crazy dude, comes from France, and climbs Everest in under 24 hours. 24 hours up and down We usually take three days. First time he did it in 27 because he had a stomach bug. <laughs> and then he went back and did it in 24 hours. Acceleration of time. Things are happening that was unseen before that's happening right now. And, and when we look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, when it says man shall not walk by faith and not by sight, there's something about faith that we've got to understand because the requirement is we should live by it. In Acts 17, Paul is on Mars Hill and he's standing amongst all these, these heathen, demonic stuff that's present. Because if you want to find a place that was demonic at its height of the gods that were worshipped, was in Athens at that time period. But here, Paul's perspective. Paul's not concerned about any of their gods trying to tell them that thing is evil. That no, he's not concerned about evil. He says, I saw a little statue in there. There was no one on top. To the unknown God, let me tell you about this God. And what does he do? He talks about his God, not against their God. Something about what he's shifting. And then he goes on, he says, in him we live and move and have our being. So he's saying, you used to worship a God. The God that I am showing you is one you can live in, walk in, breathe in, be connected to. But we hear those things and and. And we're still not understanding what it means to walk by faith. Let me explain it to you this way. John 3.16 says, talking about for God to love the world, and Jesus speaking to Nicodemus about the context of being born again. Now, we all hear the born again context, but the longer we walk with God, we still sometimes have fleshly things in our life. Memories of the old you still have memory. So let me explain it this way. You weren't, when we talk about salvation, and, and if somebody's from Brakpan, I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm going to use that as an example, but God didn't take you out of Brakpan and just move you to Stellenbosch. When, when you got saved, you died in Brakpan and were born in Stellenbosch. Okay, you get that. I'm going to say that again. You died in darkness and was born into light. You died in slavery and was born a king. Because remember, you were born into a kingdom. There isn't a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. If if me or anybody else have ever said that, uh, I want to say uh, we apologize because we quoted it wrong. The scripture says you once were in darkness, now you are in a kingdom. Darkness has no kingdom. It's just the absence of light. None of us walk into this room and, and switch the light on and say, in the name of Esko, oh, that's probably not a good example. But <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, look, come on, look, and we force the darkness. All bring besoms, and ons vier die uit. That's what's stupid, man. We don't do that. There's no comparison. The moment light goes on, darkness moves. You see where we are going. I know Henny spoke on community and the body, and, and so I want to touch on that today. But I need to establish just a, a foundation on what we build on because of what we build on is, is crumbling. We can't build on top of that. So what I want to share quickly is the context of who you are because if you understand how spiritual you are, what you've been birthed into, there's power in your life, and you stop being a slave. The prodigal son gets home and still thinks like a slave. The older son is present and still thinks like a slave. Older son gets home and asks the slaves what's going on in his own home. That means his association is more with them that are standing outside than them that are having the party inside. If he had an understanding of what was going on inside, he would just walk in. Like, what's going on here in my house? Wat what's happening? No, he's outside. What's my dad doing? Association is not with the father. Association is working for the father. What does the youngest do? I'll go back to my dad's house because the slaves get really treated well there, and I will work for him. Association is not from a place of being part of a family, but somebody who's just been invited into a family. So the context is that you're a son. You're a child of the living God. Our Father we charge in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. We're part of a family. We're part. Just met you today. How's it, my brother? We're part of a family. I, I, I don't know you from a bar of so, but we're connected. Like, that's my brother. woo what's up? <laughs> he can do the Hawkeye. This guy looks like he plays for New Zealand, man. The yeah, context is, I, if I honor, <laughs> and we've got some good ink. <laughs> the, the context of what that is, is we're family. And when we live in honor to what that is and understand what it means to be part of that, something shifts. I want to just quickly touch on this on faith. A lot of times I see a lot of Christians, and I promise I will read Scripture just to make it legal, but I've been quoting a lot of Scripture, so you're good with me. But if i let's use this as an example, if I put all my faith in having this thing fixed, and it doesn't get fixed, where's all my faith? Gone. I see so many Christians who have shifted their faith into an application instead of a position. So we apply faith to stuff, and it doesn't work, and we yeah. throw our faith away. Like, ek het so veel geloof, hierdie ding gaan werk, hy gaan werk, en die noem van hier, maandagochend, gaan hy werk, en ek kom maandagochend, en oh, die ding werk hier, dinsdagochend, hy werk nog steeds nie, by woensdagochend, hy faith is nou by a din, Gone. Microscopic. Why? Because my faith was in this instead of my faith in Him. See, if my faith is in Him, whether this works or not, God's good. See, that's why I walk by faith, not walk by application of faith, by faith then it's easy to love on people, then it's easy to serve, it's easy to believe for something, whether it happens today or not, whether it takes 17 years or not, God is still good and God is God. My faith is in Him, not in what I'm seeing. Because seeing is the thing. He says, stop doing that. I walk by faith, not by sight. He says, stop looking at the seeing. When the entire Christian body right now, or a lot of the, the faith movement, is on the name it, claim it, frame it. We we'll say it all, we do it all, we get it all, it's worked up, man, it's like a motivational speaker, you're out of there, you're walking on coals, he's your out, border, he's so excited. I don't know if you've ever seen those things, but yeah, you're so Christian, you don't know that. <laughs> when we, we worked up, we're like, yes, wonderful, we pumped up, and then, whew. I'm deflated because I put my faith in things and sight and not in Him. The unseeable God. But God will never ask me something that's difficult. Huh? Really? He asked Jesus to go to the cross. Out, Amen. Faith is based on what He says. No, He's the holy God. He's the good God. We want to go into negotiation with Him. Talking about finances, so many times people, I see people negotiating with God. Like, Lord, if if I do this, I'll get this. Donkey, you. I hear 100, now i for my negotiation. It's a good business deal. God says, 100 fold. And for all these things, I, I like tithe and I get. Like, I've heard this other guy, he gave a thousand five, he got 15. That's that sounds like a brilliant deal. I sold that 1,500 and now I'm waiting. And it doesn't show up. This tithing thing doesn't work. I've tried it for six months, and six months, really? Joseph gets a word from God, gets a dream, takes 17 years to step out as far in what that is. David, before 14 years from being anointed. What did David get when he got anointed? Nothing, he went back to the sheep. The prophet, that is the official guy, to anoint you as king. Not, the prophet didn't send his, his, uh, his servant like No, he didn't just say he's going to be. He anointed him as king. Whole family he was, the whole family's there. He's out there looking after the sheep. He gets called in front of all of them. If it was me I wouldn't go back to the sheep. Monday morning I'll shout from the room The konings stand up! Suk biggie coffee. of the cool Chop chop. Come on, that's that's us. That's all of us, especially us as South Africans. We want that now, yesterday. We wake up, wake up like dead, like going to the sheep V. You a second in line. Ciao, I'm top of the top now, man. <laughs> no, where did he have to go? Right back to the sheep. None of them treated him any differently because, you see, when he shows up to Goliath, how does his brother speak to him? Not as a king. Yet they saw him anointed. All he had was an anointing and a word. He had oil on his head. He had oil on his head by a prophet and a word in his heart. And he went right back to the sheep and started treating the sheep as if they were the nation. So when the lion came, he said, excuse me, this is my nation. I'm ready. Whoa, leave my nation alone. This is my people. He's treating the sheep like a nation. So by the time he got to the Goliath, it was natural to him of what he was walking in when he saw the giant. It's like when, when, when he comes in presence of Saul, he has the boldness to say, I'm not getting dressed in your clothes. They, well, they'll think it's you. Remember, David didn't show up there as a boy. He showed up there as a young man. He was full in stature. This was a a young man. So when Saul said, wear my armor, he said, I'm not used to fighting in this. He was very clever. He said, I'm not going to look at you, boy. I've been anointed for this job. This is my moment. But he saw the moment because he had been living in a place where it wasn't the most easiest, where it was tough. He walked by faith, not by sight. So many of us, we hear a word, we hear the start of what this here is. There's a word for our lives. There's goodness of what God's going to do. Where's our faith? Where's our our, our view? Is it on Him or is it on circumstances? Negotiating. Amazing. Like if I if I'm really good, I feel good about things, right? You know, I helped pack the chairs at church. I, you know, I helped Henny. brought him a glass of water. God, did you see that? I'm negotiating with God again, <laughs> huh? We find ourselves in that thing because we we. We give to get, and it's powerful, sowing and reaping, very powerful, but I believe that's the wrong perspective of what God's doing in this next generation, because the next generation has got to be very different than the world, and what God's doing now, it says, my God speaks, I listen, I ain't liking it, but I'm listening, because He's that good, my faith is in Him, and I know He'll take care of me, He says, go follow the giant, I'm going to go, I'm going to go take out that giant, He says, go back to the sheep, I'll do it, he says, you're going to go to a pit. i like, that's tough. I'm trusting you because you're that good and you're my God. I'm part of what that is. And when I understand that, I'm part of a body and honoring in what that body is. Because everybody, and this is where I'll, I'll end with. How's my time looking? I'm still okay. You uh, listen Okay, fantastic. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's jump there. The 13th is the love chapter, read at all the weddings, right? But we don't like to read it for ourselves. <laughs> like, it's beautiful, like, ooh, love, all these love stuff, wonderful. And then reading it, like, two, three months down the line, like, it's not for me, I don't know what they're on. It's not for me, I don't know what they're on, i i i i i i That guy in church, this thing, you know, that guy cut me off, that guy did me in. We find ourselves so many times in that place that we're starting to look at who a person is. And, and I love Second Corinthians 5 when he says, I know no man after the flesh. We didn't know Christ. Paul says, I didn't know Jesus after the flesh. I'm not interested in who he was before the cross. I understand Jesus after the cross in what he did on the cross. So if Jesus, whatever Jesus did there, and, and he did wonderful things, I'm not saying through the, the New Testament, what he's saying is there's not a natural Jesus that I'm looking at. I'm looking at the supernatural, resurrected Christ in who He is, seated in heavenly places. That's why Paul can easily write in, in, in Ephesians and says, "Where are you seated? Yeah. Heavenly places. Where are you seated? Heavenly places. Where are you seated? Heavenly places?" So when, whenever whatever there may be, me and Henny come and Henny has a bad day and, I don't know, change changed around. Sean has a bad day and treats Henny really badly and Henny's like, yesterday, Sean was a fark. He was an absolute pig today. He was just rude and obnoxious and immediately he can go like, we're still part of the body. I'm still in Christ and wherever Sean, Sean is, I look beyond that, I look to Christ. Because that way, there's no offense in my heart. That way, I don't put that, that on a person, because we put our faith in people, we put our faith in stuff, and when that fails, our faith fails. My faith is in Christ, and I'm connected to a body, and where there's honor, whether I know you or not. I can honor what God's doing in your life, and even if you're not listening, I won't get angry with you. Because we have a lot of grace for somebody that just got saved, but somebody that's been saved for a long time, our grace is gepraat. Okay. <laughs> That's me sometimes. I like <laughs> two counseling sessions. <laughs> Why? Because we're, we have thin grace because of our perspective, not of his perspective. The body's perspective is we're all part of the body. And when a body, and, and this is where I want to go with this, when a body rejects one part of it, it rejects its entirety. If this body starts rejecting one organ, organ the entire body dies because it's rejecting one part of it. Oh, you're going to see this now. So 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Right? If you go back to 12 and 11, you find these very interesting three chapters that are right next to each other. goes into 14 later. These few chapters. In 11, Paul is talking about the communion. He's talking about the body when he touched it. Let's quickly maybe read this that you can understand where I'm going with In 12, uh, where are we going to start with this? I don't want to throw away the the crux of this whole thing. I want to build up to it. Um, 14 talks about prophecies and tongues and all the beautiful things we all love to do. Let's maybe read 13 and then we'll jump back to 12 and 11. I think that's going to be the better way to do it. Um, verse 13 verse 1 says and "Though I speak with tongues of men angels that means he's very eloquent in the way he speaks but have no love I've become a brass and a clanging cymbal says, no love involved this is useless we all know this for I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and I can even quote your telephone number and all the knowledge in the world I know every book that's ever been written but I have and all the faith so I would remove mountains but not have love I am nothing God says, I can have all of this stuff, but if there's no love connected to this, I, I'm nothing. It means there's no influence. There's no connection to what this is. He says, verse 4, love suffers long, is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. We all know this because this is God. God does not parade itself. God is not puffed up because God is love. So, when I'm walking in him, this flows out of me. I have days where I do feel this. You have days where you do feel this, right? Where we don't feel like we want to suffer. Where we do feel like, Lord, oh, fuck, you just kill that guy. You know if you said somebody's stupid, Jesus says you killed him. Raka was Afrikaans. He said raka. I was me. But the context of that is we're all murderers. <laughs> You're all murderers we we think no we sure I get noch neu I get noch neu is a, a toekie op my lippe gehad nie wat nog net 'n voggie deur my mond gevloei nie <laughs> ek is perfek <laughs> you are just as good as a murderer because if you do not have christ you have nothing this is in isaiah this one your most righteous deeds are filthy rags and if you think you are that perfect it still falls short to him, and if you run down at the bottom and you're the slave mentality, that also falls short because you're also living in in uh, in pride. Because don't don't look at me; I'm, I'm I'm just nothing. No, because you want somebody to look at you, and you, the same context of what it is because you do not understand. You're a son; you do not understand your value. Both sides are wrong. So living in love, that's why he goes to verse eight. I'm going to jump a few scripture. Love never fails. It never fails. It never fails in word. It never fails in a body. It never fails in a church. It never fails in your belief. It never fails in what you pray for your children. It never fails because it's still done in love and still connected to Him, because God is love. Now, I, I, we need to go a little further with this. Um it says, "Where prophecy fails, uh, with His prophecy they will fail. With His tongues they will they will cease. With His knowledge it will vanish away." Verse 9, for you know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the things which is perfect has come, then that which is part will be done away. i explain this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. What's the context of Scripture? What do we do? We're moving to maturity. None of you want your kids to be small in diapers all the time. None of you want to. You want to see them mature. You want to see them grow out of that and become. So I find like, I joke me and I say, Come on, man, you're not a barbecue. See, and the kindness is not a barbecue. The kindness is not a barbecue. The kindness is not Actually, not a self cake. Are you starting to hear some things? Uh, they, they can actually, uh, we don't want to go to the phase again where we've got to go with all the nappies and all the stuff and all the nights. Why? There's maturity happening. Do you think God's different with that? When every scripture that Paul writes says, let's move on to maturity. Let's grow up. Let's leave the childish things alone. What is a child? How's a child? I love... Um, a guy from the Philippines uh, called Alvin Penna. He's a, a, a church there, the fort. So we were having this discussion on maturity and growing. He says, he bought his, his little daughter, beautiful gift, wrapped him in this beautiful uh, wrapping. Put it down there. And you all know what's going to happen, right? The wrapping comes off. She's small, two, three-year-old. She plays with the wrapping. So he's trying to get her attention in the box. But she's fixated on the wrapping. Like, this the prachtigste <laughs> wrapping and he barrel. And I was like, you know how much we paid for what's in the box? <laughs> like, the wrapping is like, whatever. But she's fixated on the wrapping. Now he's trying to get it away. She's screaming. Like a Christian. But in the hearers <laughs> Like we go through that. And he's trying to say, I need to get this wrapping out of your hand. This thing that you're getting fixated on. I've got something better in store for you. There's more to that. By the time the tears and eventually they get to the box and it opens up, the child's so excited, like, where's this been? It's been there all this time. That's where we're sometimes on. And this is why am saying, he says, let us move away from childish things. The way we talk, the way we think. What am I getting from this? What am I doing to get something? And the negotiation with God. He says, let's move on to maturity. But listen, what he just said is, we had something in part, but when we become mature, we will see in full. Listen what he says here. I love this piece. Verse 12. Um, He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. That scripture you can meditate on for a month, for the rest of your life. He says, when you are as a child, you see it dimly. You're trying to see in the mirror, man, That you don't. You know what you're seeing. You know how many times in. in you can ask any. You can ask any pastor. We've had people. And I said, like, But what's God doing next? I can't see tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. Huh? like these things. I. I wish I could just see. I've been there. I've had those moments in this lockdown and, and through this pandemic where I've had moments where like, yeah, what are you going to do, please? I can't see what's happening next year. Uh, it feels like there's this cloud. It feels like, who's had those experiences? we Have had those moments? He says, I want to take you out of that where it's face-to-face with me. Now listen to quickly what he's saying. The child wants to see the mirror, the mature man standing face-to-face. The child is looking to see, what can I see? The mature man's like, it's all you, Jesus. (laughs) It's all you. I I don't care about what I'm seeing. I'm I'm seeing you. You're the you're the one. I I, what I knew in part, now I know in full. I'm known as I am known. (sighs) You love me. Oh Lord, you love me. I know as I'm known. What does he know about? You are loved. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I see it now. I have it now. I heard this guy, Michael Koulianos, talk about. It. He says, We all talk about the context that Christ is the center. He's not the center. He's everything. He's everything. And that's where maturity is. Maturity is faith in that, not faith in this. That's maturity. Maturity is not in a, in a transaction about money or about service or being part of what. That's not maturity. Maturity is I give, I live, I, I, whatever that is. That's maturity. That's part of what that is. Maturity is honor, whether I like it or not. That's maturity. Maturity is, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. Whatever you ask, I will go. Friends of mine uh, in a church called uh, 24-7 there in, uh, in Johannesburg, God's been stirring in, in, in Connor's heart about the 1040 window. And when he mentioned it, I'm like, wow, man, that was spoken about so much in churches uh, years ago. I grew up with that as a kid. 1040 window, we've got to go there. We've got to get people saved. We've got to go for it. This is what God wants. Let's send missionaries, man. I, that's where I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to go. I saw these people going after that for Christ. And so they decided that's what they're going to go for. And they have just been pushing as a church for that and and speaking about that. And some of the people feeling that very uncomfortable because they said, like, we have people just around the corner that know about Jesus. Why are you going all the way to Turkey? They said, because God said. Like, if God wanted to send me there, I'll listen to him. But that's not what God said. So it's convenient to go there because I don't go there. (laughs) It's convenient to go to the neighbor, but I don't really go to the neighbor. I don't. Maybe God's going to send somebody else there or maybe because God has got something else in store. But if I understand my position and what it means to be part of a body and what God is speaking in my life, it's easy to flow in that because I understand God's called me to be a hand. God's called me to be a finger. God's called me to be part of the body. Now, as we end off with this, chapter 12, we'll read quickly a little piece here. It says, um, Verse 5, there are different ministries and they're all the same. There are a diversity of activities, but all the same. God who works all in all. Um, he's talking about different parts of what, of what that is. Let's um, jump a little further. Verse 12, for the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, that one, uh, one body, being many, are one body, also is Christ. Listen to what he says Yeah, He says, Body, scripture says your body is a temple, right? Where he lives in. But he says this body is a temple. Yeah. Because Christ fills all. Well, This body is a temple. This body is a temple. Mm-hmm. This body has many parts, but this body is connected. Mm-hmm. Now, for a lack of time, I'm just going to quote you. You can read chapter 11. Paul writes about the communion that he receives from Christ. He says... That is the body of Christ. He says, but many of you are sick, are weary, and dying because you do not discern the body. <laughs> many are sick and weary and dying. What is Paul saying? The one part, the next chapter, he says the body is many parts. Just before that, he says, because we don't understand the body, that Christ is the head and we are the body, many of us are sick because I don't like you long you Not in this church, in Brockburn. Okay, <laughs> nothing against Brockburn. I just like joking about. It. We lived there once. Okay, so um, the the context of that is like I don't like you, but you're a child of God. But you don't. I, I just don't like you. I I'm sitting with bitterness in my heart. I don't, I don't want to serve. I don't want to be. I don't. When you start living that, that's why I said that body is sick and dying. He says, in the body of Christ, when the body understands this, and then he goes into 13 and 14 and explains what that all is. He says, when we understand that Christ is us, it's not just you alone. He didn't come to be a lone ranger. Hi ho tonto. Oh God, No, he called disciples. Who was in that group? Judas and Peter. Yet he still asked them to join him because he understands the context of what God did from day one. What did Jesus do with Judas right before he left? Still treated him with love and respect. How did Jesus treat Peter right at the end? After he had denied him. Best friend. Looks him straight at face, denies him. After he told him. you know that I as was, I've said to you, jou gesê, to you. You're going to cry so distance. And you've the church. Tell all what you've done. <laughs> huh? You've been in those churches, not, not this church. <laughs> but that's not how Christ operates. So maturity is, I don't look at you for who you are today. I look at you through the eyes of Christ. Where I look far beyond what that is. That's why 13, he says, love believes all things. <laughs> No sort things. Do you hear where the maturity comes in? When we start living as that way as a body and we start giving, we'll receive because there's no there's no transaction in faith. I'm in Christ, I'm mature. I'll I'll end with this story because it was such a beautiful story. Uh very, very uh, high influential gentleman in, in the US one day he was walking with some of his friends, and they they went into the court. So he was a judge. But so one or two of the guys that were coming into the courtroom did not recognize him. And um, I actually lied. I'm going to tell two stories. <laughs> Forgive me. Thank you. Amen. Um, and so as they walked up to the door, the guy jumped through. The two or three guys just walked in front of him and just opened the door and left, walked in. And so one of the other guys bumped him and said, uh, hey, like, is that okay with you? That guy didn't honor you, just didn't. And he says, It's okay, I can afford it. That listen to that? It's okay, I can afford it. I mean, the context is I'm not moved by somebody's opinion or somebody's not opinion of what that is. When the entire world right now, about certain things about lives matter, whether that be white lives, black lives, we're, we're constantly living from a place where we're asking somebody to say, I'm okay instead of Christ being the one that says I'm okay. That's why he says, I'm not moved by this gentleman's uh, uh, disregard of my position. My position is what it is. I can afford this. And then Peter comes, a friend of uh, one of the pastors from Strand, and he sits with me in the week. He says, Sean, sure, I found this article of a gentleman from Canada. Never heard of this guy before. Uh, back in, in the 1800s, who had gone to China as a missionary. His father had a, a major, a major company in the U.S. and an, an advertising agency and ran many newspapers. And so he was the heir to the, the, to the throne, to the company and of what that was, but decided to leave it all behind and go to China. So while he was in China, another company, uh, his dad's company also made him some offers, but there was another company who said, listen, we know your expertise. We'd like you to come work for this amount. Send him a telegram. Miles back says, I'm not interested. They send him another one, double. We'll give you double. They come back, they say, We'll we'll do a 400% of what it is like. We really want you. And then they send him a last telegraph and they sent to this telegram. What is it? Telegram, telegraph? Telegram, telegram. Telegram. They sent to him and said, Whatever you want. And he he wrote back this. And this will put the cherry on top of the cake. This is your offer. Is big, your job is too small. The call of Christ in our life, of who we are as body of Christ, is the call. Is it that job you offering me is too small. You get all the money in the world can't offer what it is to be part of what Christ has called me to do to this nation, to this time, to our body to understand why I'm here. You, there's no coincidence why you're part of who you are, to, who this body, this, this church, your life you're living. God's called you. You're part of a body. You're part of a purpose. You're part of maturing and what that is as an individual, but also as a body and what God's called us to do. This church isn't just coincidence. There's not enough churches in this place to, to have the revival if it hits Stellenbosch and everybody decides to go to church. I couldn't care what other churches. There's still space for more churches. There's still space for people to come together and form a body and be connected. Because what do we want to do? We want to feel connected. That's what's happening right now. It's a no, no connection. Stay back. I say poppies. Why? Because the very context of body is connection. The very context of what it is to be part of the body of Christ. Is, as in heaven, so on earth. God says, listen, I'm not just talking about who you are here connected. You are connected to the heavenly family. You're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. There's connection in Christ. Christ is not on one side and you, he is in the body because Christ is the head of the body. All in all. Christ is here as much as Christ is there. That's maturity. It says, I'm not cared about what tomorrow holds. I know who holds tomorrow. I know it's an old statement, but it's such a powerful statement for the time we're living in right now. I hope it stirred something in your heart. He's called you. He's with you. And you trust Him. Some of that might be tough. Some of it might be tough. Some of what He asks you to do, is like, hmm, that's not lacquer. That's not always that nice. But I know. We've We've been packing food every Saturday in Strand. For a community and we've seen from the first saturday of lockdown where we started to where we are today of a community that comes into our church every single saturday and this morning as i was leaving strand at the church there because uh, we do, i get there earlier a lot of those people are walking in they, they come, they've come to church and there's one lady there um there's many beautiful stories but this is just a fun story one of the Saturdays, first time she pitched up there, she was so drunk, the foggies is it no And uh, and all of a sudden Jerusalem, that's all she understood of church was Jerusalem. Come on, Jerusalem, yeah, that's Jerusalem. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every now she up, Jerusalem. This Sunday morning, she's not. And after that, not once have I seen her drunk. She's there every Saturday. She helps back. in the morning. she was like, help us to arrange it Down, she's just loving church. Seen a community change. Was it easy? No, it is so tough to give up your entire Saturday, to be around it, to like check who's stealing what. Like, hey, lost my extension. I'm like every. It's tough. It's not easy. It's, it's really tough. I would love to just have a Saturday morning off and just like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be part. And I'm not putting that on you. I'm asking, what does God ask you? Where is that and what that is? But to see the fruit of that, oh. to drive from Cape Town to be here. Hello. Hello. That's, just, that's a sacrifice. That's something to say like, hey, I want something. There's something about what God's doing here that doesn't make sense in what it is, but I want to be there. I want to get up early. I want to go to church. I want to do something different. Or That's maturity. That's that growing, saying, hey, God's doing something in my life right now. I'm going to listen to that because I cannot be doing the same stuff I used to do. In 2019, 2018, expected to be different in this decade. This is a different decade. It's a different time. It's a different time for what this is. It's a different time in what God's doing in, in Heneas and in Salim's life. And I love what God's doing, with the influence they're having on other people around them and nations and, uh, and other church leaders. But when you, and, and I want to say this quickly, just growing up in ministry. I'm, I'm a fourth-generation minister. I try to run away. God didn't allow me. But my great-grandfather was a pastor. Grandfather, my dad, myself. I've grown up through that. You know what's the biggest mistake that we can make as a church and from a pastor point? is that I start just seeing you as demon. Biggest mistake I can make. What's the biggest mistake you can make? Just seeing him as Henny. Because he brides with you. Because he has a coffee with you. He just becomes Henny. It's just like Jesus walking back in Nazareth. He couldn't do great miracles. He's the Son of God, turns Galilee upside down, but in Nazareth he could do very little. Why? Because they said the moment he opened Scripture, you've got to go read that piece. It's beautiful. He said when Jesus opened, they said they were caught in awe. They said this must be it. It is wonderful. Until somebody said, "But isn't that Joseph's son?" And everything. What he said filled their heart. He goes, "Wow." Am I any or someone may. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately I take what God's doing through Him and I and equate that to my level. Of it. I'm not saying in whoa, whoa, that kind of all day way. But if I put what God is speaking through, what He puts as a position, as a head of a church, what that is, it's wrong. Same way what I do towards you, towards you, towards you. Just seeing you for oh, eight minutes. That's maturity. That's understanding the body. And when we start living there, he says, you will know in full. I've seen some amazing things in my life, what God has done. But what God's about to do, (laughs) it's going to be, I've seen people with no eyes get eyes. I've seen dead people raised. I've seen prophetic that is so powerful that people, I've seen a guy pick up a guitar and sing to a heroin addict. She came off the street, and when he sang over her, I could literally see her whole life change as she's standing, a heroin addict. He said, stand up. He took the guitar. He sang a prophetic word over her. Her whole world changed. She left her boyfriend. She changed. She got set free in a moment when the prophetic word hit her. You could literally see the drugs leave her, the oppression leave her, the the fear leave her in a moment as a prophetic word. That is powerful, but God's going to do more. He's going to do more. We're going to see more salvations. more. I've seen demons leave people in an instant in a moment. Powerful things, but what God's about to do will be greater. But it starts with me. It doesn't start with Henny. It starts with me saying, hey, I want to hear what God's saying right now. I'm going to apply what this is in my life. What did Henny preach last week? Or am I applying it in my life? What are you doing with this word today? Because that's the only word you're going to get for the day. It's right now this. This moment. This is real. This is God. You've got to take it and say, I'm applying it to my life. I'm going to go look at 13. I'm going to look at 11. I'm going to do something with that that's going to be different. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for what you're doing in people's lives here this morning. Lord, I... I as I'm standing here, Father, I can feel a shift in the atmosphere. I can feel something's broken through this morning. I believe there's something significant that's going to happen in this room. There's going to be no space for people to fill this room uh, because they're, uh, it's just going to overflow. I'm seeing people's lives shift, their businesses shift, their marriage shift, their children shift. Because what they believe in this moment is changing everything. Some of the people here right now, Lord, I know that you're doing something in them in this moment. They don't even know what's just happened to them, but they can feel something's lifted off of their shoulders. Something's lifted off of their mind. Something's shifted in this moment. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for word. I thank you that word carries power. Lord, this this is there's something about this town that's going to play an impact and a role in this nation, Father. That's going to be play such a role, not just in this nation but nations around. I believe there are missionaries going to be sent forth from this from this city. There are life going to come from this place. There are finances going to flow from this place into the world. Lord, there's healing going to happen like never before. The testimony or testimonies of significance that what you're going to do in. Through this place Lord I thank you for a Jesus I thank you for it Jesus Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon For more detail visit www.klcstallenbosch.co.za